Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Daily Record Celtic podcast. And it's fair to say it's a huge week for the club on and off the park. So with that in mind, we thought we'd go for the very best in the final stages of the, the window. We've got a man who's been involved in big Celtic transfers. The Champions League draw is looming this week and he's been part of plenty of huge European nights at home and abroad with the club. And then on Sunday at Celtic against Rangers. And again, he's no stranger to the cutting edge of the biggest derby of the lot. So without further ado, I'm delighted to welcome the one and only Michael Gannon to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've not, I've not been involved in many transfer windows, but I've done some last minute Christmas shopping. Does that count? <laughs> we also have Chris Sutton. Chris, how are we? Yeah, very good. I, I knew there was something. Oh, I knew it was going to go, there was going to be something derogatory aimed at me. That was good. That was good for you. Well yeah, done. Good it, was quite, it was quite obvious, to be fair, but it was like Alan Robin. You know what he's going to do. He's going to come in on his left side, but you can't stop him scoring. Yeah, you do obvious well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> In terms of doing obvious well, we might as well get straight to it. We're a month into the competitive season. Chris, where do you see Celtic just now? We see Celtic uh, on top of the table, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, look, I mean, let's get it right. It has uh, been a difficult start, hasn't it, for um, for Celtic. Things just haven't clicked. They're not quite right. Uh, albeit it's it's early days. I think that it's fair to say it's been a, a pretty underwhelming transfer window in terms of uh, recruitment. And I think Brendan's said so as much himself. Um, but there is still time left in the window to uh to, to sort the situation out and um and for there to and there for there for there to be a um a thought process amongst the celtic fan base that the club are moving in the right direction i'm not so sure that the, the celtic fan base feel that that is uh the way at this moment in time though but there's still time to uh I'm not gonna say save the season but time to to get things rolling for celtic Michael, has Chris gone too early on that? Well, what, three league games into the season, one League Cup tie, transfer window not closed yet? How do you see it? I think when Chris says that the window has been underwhelming, I think that's that's um, been a pretty optimistic. I think it's been a, a pretty poor window. I mean, I mean, I'm now looking at the final days of the transfer window and scramble around to get the squad back to where it was six months ago. That, to me, is not a successful transfer window. They've spent money on maybe about 15 million quid, another few in the way, um, on guys who have got potential and could be or go on to become very good players for Celtic and make a couple of lot of money in the future. But in terms of the here and now, they haven't improved their squad. When all the talk at the end of last season when Ange Postacoglu was there was about taking the club to the next level, competing in Europe. When Brendan Rodgers was appointed, same talk about competing in Europe, making a fist to the Champions League. 
Well, they haven't really backed that up over the summer because they haven't brought in the recruits that allow them to do that. And listen, they might bring in three, four, five guys in the next couple of days. But to be scrambling around at this stage to get those guys in, and the Champions League starts in three weeks, it just seems like they've, they've kind of squandered the summer to me. Chris, Craig, would Craig, you Craig, can I, can I just add to that? Can yeah, I just add on. to that uh, a little bit? The the issue is, as far as I can see it, uh, is, that, is that Brendan Rodgers has, and, and why they're... Why there seems to be, um, you know, a lot of fans who are unhappy, uh, and, and, and I think, and, and, and unsettled as well, because they're, you know, unsure about the club, uh, how they're going to perform uh, this season. But the issue is, is, is Brendan Rodgers has taken over from a position of strength. And if you want to compare that to Ange Postacoglu and when he first arrived, he took over from a position of, of weakness and there had to be patience. But in many respects, Celtic should not be in this position. Uh, from you know from when Brendan uh, took over because Mick was Mick's absolutely bang on all the talk was when Brendan took over is making the next step in the in the Champions League and you know it looks like Celtic are in a, a, a race to compete in the in the in the Scottish Premiership this season at this moment in time I mean I, I was looking forward to the Champions League draw I think it's on Thursday uh, a couple of weeks ago but now you're looking at this Celtic squad thinking well. You know, is this squad capable of actually getting a point in the Champions League, competing in the Champions League? And let's get it right at this moment in time. It doesn't look that way. Now, of course, things can change and change quickly in football. But we all know that this Celtic squad at this moment in time, and Brendan's admitted it himself, is that they are weaker than last season. And that's a big issue. That should never have been the case. Well, we'll come at the Champions League in a bit more depth later gentlemen but I, I, I believe certainly one of you and maybe both has used the, the, the phrase project discussing the signing so far I did some research this morning I was interested in something at what point do you guys think a project is a project and when's a ready made signing and and I'll I'll tell you why I'm asking you that question Lee Labada played 60 odd league games for Maccabi Pekka Tikva before he signed for Celtic and he was 19 Hyung Young Wan had played the same amount of first team games at Gang One and was 21, two years older. Was Leila Brada not seen as a project because he came in and scored in his debut? Is, is it, or was he a project signing? Matt O'Reilly, 49 first team games for MK Dons, just turned 21. Kwon had played more first team games than Matt O'Reilly and was 22. Rio Hatati, less than 100 games, first team games. Odin Holm had played 100 first team games for Valerenga. Marco Telio has played in the World Cup. He's won titles. Don't say Australian football is no good because we heard that when Ange Postecoglou turned up and look what happened there. My point being is, you know, Cameron Carter Vickers went around the lower leagues in England to gather quite a bit of experience, but he was 23 when he signed. So is Gustav Lagerbilt. Mike Naroki's 22. When, when, but, are they project, right. when are they projects and when are they projects when they fail? When they come in and not well enough? As I'm just putting the question out there because yeah. these guys... If you look yeah. at it on paper, I'm no different from yet. Matt O'Reilly came in to a debut at Tynecastle and dominated a game. Rio Hatati scoring two goals in all his old fun debut. They guys hit the ground up. What's the where's the big difference here? I take your point, Swanny, but uh, Rio Hatati had already been capped by Japan at that point. Um, mm-hmm. and for a lot of games in Japan. Kyogo was 26 and been capped by Japan. Not, I never mentioned Kyogo. I was Carlos Vickers had played for Tottenham in Europe and had about three or four campaigns in the championship under his belt. Carl Starfelt had been capped by Sweden when he arrived. I played in Europe. So you can get away with those guys. 
if you if you have got three or four guys who are coming in who also have got that experience and have got 50 games under their belt or 100 games under their belt and who have played in Europe or played at a good level, if you can get away with those guys, I don't doubt for a second, Abada, O'Reilly, these guys were seen as kind of guys for the future who did really well in the present, but they were supplemented to a team that was already in place who had guys with experience. You can't have a full team full of guys who haven't got that experience or, or seen this project. You can get three or four. They don't have a full team full of those guys. They have Alan can McGregor do... and they have yeah. you mentioned can... Scotland's Player of the Year and they have oh, Joe Hart. It's one of your spine your team is Joe Hart, Cameron Carter-Rickers, Callum McGregor and Kyogo. Bags yeah. of experience. The rest of it can fit in amongst it. Yeah. So, I mean... So, you need listen, to it's just a debate point. I just thought it was yeah. interesting. Everybody has plonked these guys into the one bracket. And I'm not sure. I think it's an easy cop out, maybe, to say, "Ah, oh, it's the club's fault." And, and, and you know, yeah, but, but 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 there there are there are subtle there are subtle changes, aren't mm-hmm. there? Um, we we all know we all know the market that Celtic, uh, you know, when they bring players in, what they have to shop in, and it is it is a uh, you know it is a development uh, market. You, you 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 know, gone are the days like when I played back in the day where. You know, Martin O'Neill, uh, you know, he could sign, not saying it, uh, more experienced players, more complete players, but players still with a point to prove. I, I still think um, I still think that that, uh, that stands. Things which uh, concern me from the outside is uh, over the last couple of seasons when Ange Postacoglu was manager, um, all with, with regards to the recruitment, uh, Ange Postacoglu, need to be careful how, how, how I word this, but he would he would take all the responsibility uh, himself. He would say, you know, this is this is this is the way we're doing things. We know he had a, you know, he must have had a large say in the uh, the players coming in from Japan and whatever. And it, it, the the recruitment didn't seem an issue. That may have because uh, may have been because Celtic were winning and 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 doing uh, well. And you know, most of Ange Postacoglu, the recruitment at that particular time. Uh, was excellent and and all the players did pretty well. What I what I think has changed at the start of this season, and uh, I I do think this is different. Is is Brendan Rodgers is sort of distancing himself from the recruitment. There's not a togetherness. It's sort of you know somebody else who's bringing the players in, and that that seems where there's a uh, a slight split in the camp. And of course, when when there's a slight uh, split in the camp, then supporters start to talk about it. You know that the club isn't harmonious. So that's where I see uh, a, a little bit of uh, difference in in terms of bringing players in. It's about their ability to do the job. I just look back a season, uh, and I look. You know, you go through the Celtic team a season ago, and you think, blimey, you know, this is this is a strong team, a strong squad. Joe Hart, uh, Juranovic at right back, Alistair Johnson, you know, there's a debate to say, you know, who is the better player, but, you know, strong. Carter Vickers, Starfelt, really excellent partnership, you know, really more than solid. Uh, Greg Taylor uh, playing in that inverted role did so, so well. A confident Greg Taylor, who was a you know, real asset for the team. Surprised me the way he's developed, but did well. He seems to have lost form. You look at the midfield, McGregor was flying Hatate now, um, you know, player of the season in my book last season, outstanding season he had. Looks like he doesn't want to sign a new contract at Celtic. You had Aaron Moy and O'Reilly. O'Reilly, 
you know, um, sacrificed himself for the team when McGregor was out for a large part of that uh, that that season. Aaron Moy was a you know really excellent signing eventually. You know, Celtic had a strong team. You, you, you know, you, you, you had Jotty or Jack Amakis coming off the bench uh, for Kyogo. Uh, a barder off that right-hand side. Good competition for places. Now you look at Celtic's team going into the Champions League, going into the Scottish Premiership season, and something isn't quite right. And, of course, the injuries haven't helped. But you go back and, of course, you know, we're entitled to look back on you know last season and think, why aren't Celtic at that strength again when they've got the big money in for Jota? They've got Champions League football. And, it, you know, everybody uh, is entitled to ask the question and even answer the question. It shouldn't be like this at this stage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael, there is absolutely no doubt, um, while making the points earlier, starting players are required, were required, and probably should have been brought in earlier. There was the situation where, for example, Rio Hattati was was clearly struggling with his form and wasn't doing enough in the manager's eyes to get in the team. With Aaron Moy already gone, that should maybe have been addressed uh, at the time for the season starting. Of course, you have to wait to the end of the window, I suppose, to see how it all shakes down. But there is an argument that these guys could, should all have been in place before a ball competitive ball was kicked. However, maybe if you want the ones you exactly want, you have to wait for. We won't know that until Friday at midnight, and probably you and I will still be sitting there at half past 12, Michael, in the car park. Um, but how do you view it yourself? Do you, were you in agreement with Chris on most of those points, or all of them? I am. Um, what... What the thing that kind of perplexes me slightly is um, speaking to Postecoglou kind of towards the tail end of last season and even before that, back to the AGM. The, the talk was, I mean, listen, we know Celtic's model; it's been really successful, it's worked really well. But the last that's two years in a row, they've had direct entry into the Champions League and the money that brings. They've sold Jota. There's another ten million plus coming in the way for Frimpong's selling fee this week as well. Looks like plenty of money in the bank. Postecoglou hinted at it last year. That at one point, at some point, you need to jump up a level so that you recruit guys with potential, but they're at a higher starting point of potential because they're now with money in the bank, a position of strength. It's time to elevate the club. Not not taking massive jumps. I'm not talking about throwing the hundred million quid at, at players. I'm saying that you can gradually, rather than going for two million pound prospects, sign five million pound prospects and then sell them for fifteen and twenty million pound in two years' time. What I'm saying is that this was a chance this summer to elevate the club gradually, replace players who did well the last two years with better players, and they haven't done that this summer. Might like it or not, and then where it happens the next three or four days will be interesting. But they haven't replaced good players with better players, and they've lost better players and replaced it with guys who are projects. And that's not really a great strategy for where they are in this point in time in terms of their financial might. This Champions League situation isn't going to last forever. You need to perform in Europe to keep automatic entry to the Champions League. And we touched on it earlier, they don't look equipped to deal with that at this moment to get the points required to stay in the Champions League longer term and keep the money coming in. So this was a summer they could have taken the incremental steps to elevate an entire club and an entire squad, and I don't think they've done that. One, so the question yeah. is, 
So, so the question is, is, is how have we got here? Why, you know, what, why are we here at this point in time? And, you know, and, and the, the saving grace, if there is one for Celtic, is that, you know, that they have time to resurrect this situation. But I think you made the point, um, Craig, which was, you know, re- really quite important. I, th- I think that getting the work done early, a bit of continuity, uh, you know, getting the team into a rhythm was the most important thing. And Celtic clearly haven't done that. And it's, it's been a problem. And you could see, you know, from the first 15 minutes of, of the season, and that's 15 minutes against Ross County, you know, things weren't right. Aberdeen, you know, albeit positive result, difficult place to go to. Um, you, you know, th- there, were, there were issues within the framework of the team. So, you know, Kilmarnock wasn't a surprise. St Johnston was a surprise, but maybe that's maybe that's not going to be a bad thing in the long run, and that's the jolt, the kick, a kick up the backside that the club actually needed. Um, but you know, there will be questions as to how we actually got to that stage, and it'd be interesting to hear Mick on this. You know, was it was it arrogance, Mick? Was it you know? Taking uh, you know the, the the Scottish League too lightly, thinking that the squad are better than they are. I mean, most people would have sat and thought, well, you know, Jota was a different type of uh, of player to anything Celtic uh, have got. Maeder and Abada, similar players in terms of you know they're direct. They they wouldn't dictate the pace of a game and be able to slow it down like Jota. Didn't have that decisive pass uh, like Jota. So you know he hasn't been replaced. I mean, how, how do you see it, Mick? No, I don't know about the arrogance thing. I think I think Celtic still. I don't think it's a crisis in the home front with Celtic. I think they've got more than enough tools to have a successful season in the home Michael, front. Can I just that. check in for a second, Chris? See, see, for all the transfer business should have been done earlier, could and should have been done earlier. The sixteen player, whatever players that were used on Saturday against St Johnson, would you, as a Celtic manager, think you could expect to send a team out to beat St Johnson last Saturday? There was surely yeah, a, in the squad and on the pitch. Sorry, Michael. Point should be being. more than well equipped. Uh, you know, I think that yeah, um, you're, you're absolutely spot on. So, so the, you know, it's it, it you know where Celtic are at this moment in time. That's that's a you know, there's a number of issues. It's it's not just one issue. The the issue which I cannot understand. Okay, I can understand why Celtic end up selling John John for twenty five million. Carl Starfelt, right? Selling him when they sold him to Celta Vega, I think it was absolutely. Bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Carl Starfelt was under contract uh, at Celtic. Celtic uh, rushed Carter Vickers back. I don't know, you know, maybe that has something to do with why he's broken down. Is that for a couple of months? That's, you know, so you know, uh, I don't, I don't know that, but it may have just happened anyway. But Starfelt was a was a rock for Celtic alongside uh, Carter Vickers. I know he had the odd brick in him, but Celtic, in my opinion, should have held on to him. And then had they been in a situation with uh, centre-halves where, the, uh, you know, the, the centre-halves were good enough and, and, and Brendan had a trust uh, within them that, you know, he had a partnership where Celtic were going to be so, more than solid, watertight and, and every faith that they could compete in the Champions League and go to Ibrox and, uh, and have a shutout. Then he could have uh, sold Carl Starfelt to, to, to Celta Viga. But, not, but selling him that early, really, I just think was really madness and they sort of shot themselves in in the foot they go into the game at the weekend against rangers now with a center half partnership you know who knows it looks like it's going to be scales and uh and, and lager bielka who have played together once i mean it doesn't with the greatest respect to both players 
it doesn't inspire you with, you know, total confidence. The Celtic back line, Greg Taylor, you know, has barely kicked a ball this season. He, you know, he 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 looks a shadow of the player which he was um, last season. Alistair Johnson is is coming back. Uh, you know, he's been out a, a fair while now. Anthony Ralston, you know, he's going to give it a go and he's, he's able enough. But you're looking at that back line. And if your range is not that their forward line, uh, you know, is absolutely firing, but you're thinking, blimey, you know, that's a real opportunity to to get after Celtic. That's that's just the way it is, isn't it? Michael, apologies for uh, checking your run at the edge of the box there when you were when you were just starting off. I think VR. Oh, you missed a cracker as well. It's coming out always with a bit of a cracker. Well, if you can if you can continue where you were going to go, but just to, to to wrap up the transfer side of things before we move on to the Champions League draw, the, as you as Chris alluded to, you know, Jota leaving to be replaced by, it looks like this week, and it will be uh, Lewis Palmer this week. That's eight weeks later. Does that sum it up? And tell us about, about Lewis Palmer, if you could. Exactly. I mean, I mean again, I mean, the, the kid sounds like a lot of potential. Um, speaking to people who work with him, he's uh, a great attitude. Great like attitude. project again? A, a little bit. He's 23. <laughs> Is he a project or is he a first-time player? Um, maybe a bit higher level project. Oh, he's a first-time player, surely. You've got a good attitude, Mick. It doesn't make you a Celtic player. This is this is very true. Or any kind of player. Um, no, no, it, it does sound... It does sound he's got a bad attitude and be a good one. Sorry, he's, can you? A lot of attitude. You can play anywhere from the front. Play left wing, right wing, number 10. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's he's not going to be the, the new Jota because I think that was a they struck gold with that that signing, didn't they? Um, but he does sound like an interesting addition. Who will who will bring something to the to the squad um, wherever he, wherever he plays? Um, so yeah, listen, they will they will do business before the window shuts, and I imagine there'll be some some fairly hefty hefty moves. A loan deal for a centre half, I think, is is a must. But I might have to wait to the, the the final moments of the window for that one. Unfortunately, um, listen, I have you dragging yourself up the stairs for the press conference. Well, that's true, but uh, to play devil's advocate, it is a difficult market for Celtic uh, to run. I mean, the, the, the shifting sands with, with Saudi Arabia and English English market, England, English people bleat all the time now about Saudi Arabia money and all that stuff. No, they're coming to get our best players. England been doing that for 20 years and they're still doing it. I mean, Sheffield United signing strikers that don't get a game for Middlesbrough for 20 million quid. The market's gone bonkers. Well, you mentioned Chris, Chris is uh, moving a few years ago. Celtic could not buy a Chris Sutton now. I mean, Chris, what would you be worth in today's market? I mean, let's say you broke the transfer record twice down south. All right, a bit of an off-season at Chelsea, but so did, so did Lukaku. But you're talking, how much would it cost to sign a Chris Sutton yeah, now? Well, well, I mean, on the, on the Monday nightclub... That was uh, a lot of baggage, Michael, a lot of baggage. Yeah, on the Monday Nightclub uh, Five Live uh, a few months ago now, so I would have actually gone up even more. I think it was about four or five months ago. A guy right. who wrote um, The Price of Football, um, Kieran Maguire's name, valued me at 101 million in today's market. So I'd probably be about 150 now, Mick. 150, 150 million? You'd be, the your, you'd be the price of your house. And, you're, and you're, you're lucky enough to work with me. It's not, not a Turkish move. It's not a Turkish leader, Chris. Are we talking here? This is a Galatasaray move. That's a cricket market. I think that's yeah. the I mean, Anthony, Anthony Gordon, 50 million quid. I mean, to get a kind of bang average um, Premier League striker, you're at 20, 30, 40 million quid. So, you, I mean, you're, by the way, you're not probably far wrong, Chris. Michael, uh, no, 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 well, I'm, yeah, no, I'm not wrong. 
priceless to this podcast, Chris. Sir, priceless. Talk, talking, of, talking of over overinflated values and big egos. Champions League, League draw Thursday. Um, Michael, Celtic should have been bouncing into this Champions League draw, shouldn't they? Really excited and looking forward to who they were going to be playing against, who they were going to be pitted against, and looking forward to making the next step. No one seems to have mentioned it. Hiding behind the couch, I think, is more the approach this, this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashton, I get it. I mean, I think fans will be a little bit a bit worried. Um, listen, I think the target, as always, for Celtic in this current climate should be not to get embarrassed by the big two seeds and then try and nick that third spot off the, the third seed and get into the Europa League after Christmas. That would be a successful Champions League campaign. Avoiding... God, avoid- reach, reach for the stars, Mick. But listen, that's the reality, Chris. Listen, we, we go back to it. Listen, we're, we're being Glass quite critical. half empty all the time, you are, aren't you? Well, we're being quite critical, right? Celtic's budget in terms of uh, wage bill is probably top end of the chart. You you're now bringing the old budget card into How do well, I have a cost for Would you expect Derby to go and compete in the Champions League? No, you wouldn't. So you're going to make demand Celtic do. But they're not in the right division, Mick. Well, you know what I mean. Whoever's in that division these days. <laughs> but it's a difficult ask. So if they can get, if they can get through, survive some of these games against the big teams and then maybe nick points at home and then get a result against the third seed and get that third spot, that would be a successful Champions League campaign. Um, but it it's potentially could be could be very, very difficult. We've seen these teams before, even when Celtic have been strong and it's been it's been really, really tough. So, it's, yeah, can I imagine that, that um, there's the kind of trade-off, isn't there, the glamour ties or the potential dunes? It's, uh, it's a difficult one to balance. Chris, you just said Celtic are weaker now than they were at the start of last season, and Celtic were unable to get a win in the group stages. Yeah, I mean, where does the confidence slash belief slash get injected from? Yeah, I mean, I've just jumped all over, Mick, but I, I, I do actually tend to agree with him. Um, at this moment <laughs> in time, you're... Help me up! You are half uh, glass half empty uh, at this moment in time. I mean, it's it, it's actually, you know, the way Celtic have performed um, so far this season. It's it's actually hard to see Celtic, you know, getting a point in the Champions League based on performances. But you know, we're a few weeks away now, so you know, there's there's lots of room for improvement. But I'm sick of. <laughs> Sick of going to Celtic Park, uh, and you know, my sons are big Celtic fans, and you know, come up for the Champions League nights. And you know, I'm saying to them, you know, you, you've got to make sure you're in your seat, uh, half an hour before the game because that's that's sort of been the best part going to Celtic over the over the last sort of few seasons in the Champions League or even longer. Uh, you know, before the game, when the game starts, uh, you know, it's a it's a you know, normally been a, a disappointment. I've got to say, last season I did enjoy uh, Celtic and uh, and Ange Postecoglou and the way they played against Real Madrid. And I, I thought Ange Postecoglou was a little bit lucky, uh, unlucky, sorry, in the Champions okay, League. You called, lucky, lucky, called him lucky. Oh, there we go. Uh, unlucky. I meant Michael Beale. Mm-hmm. I got Ange on the phone to oh, you. I meant unlucky. Clip that up. Clip that up. I couldn't get my words out properly. I think it's a bit unlucky with with his approach. Actually, you know, they, 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 he took the game to Real Madrid, as he said, it uh, take the game to to Real Madrid. They ended up a little bit of naivety at the end, losing, you know, against Shakhtar away. I think that was a disappointment. Drawing a game they should have won. I think Leipzig deserved to edge Celtic over 
over two legs. Uh, I've spoken before about Real Madrid away and, and and watching Celtic loading the box sort of after 65 minutes when they're 5-0 down, watching through my, my, my fingers in the Comrade box thinking, what on earth is you know is is going on here that was a that was a disappointment but do you know what the shape of the team going into the champions league this season um i do i do you know worry for them and fear for them which is why these next few days are so so important because it doesn't look like uh, carter vickers is uh, you know is going to be ready for uh, the start of the champions league campaign and that's a huge huge uh, problem for Celtic, but I, you know, I, I am concerned for Celtic going into um, this season's competition. And to think a few weeks ago, or when Brendan arrived, talk about that next step. And I mean, you boys will know this better than me. Brendan being given a war chest, which I don't know. I mean, you, you, I think you guys, I don't know whether you wrote it, but you know that I think that was the sort of common perception that Brendan would be given a war chest and a chance to compete in the Champions League and uh, you know Celtic have got a, 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 a job on in the uh, in the Scottish Premiership this season making sure they come out top dogs by the look of the the way they've played over the first few games this season but it is early and there's plenty of room for improvement I think I think what Chris says Michael and, and the way he summed up last season's Champions League campaign for Celtic under Ange Postecoglou you looked at the Leipzig games and uh, Chris is talking about war chests and Leipzig were nowhere near the second, you know, the top bracket or the top team of the second seeds. They had Nkunku, who went to Chelsea for the price of a house in the state. Schlobber's lies gone to Liverpool. They were an absolutely top-class team. Guardiol. Guardiol. I mean, that 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 was the pot two team. And they weren't the best pot two team. It gives you an example of, we've spoken about it endlessly on this podcast. And, and Chris is right to try and be positive about it. And it has been shown in the past that clubs can go and punch and, and get results. But it just feels that it's getting harder and harder for Scottish clubs and other clubs of the same level of league. It's tough, Michael, surely. Oh, it is, but Rangers beat them six months earlier. Um, and deservedly so. So there's no thing, Bod, mate. There's ways to do it. Anyway, well, it's a result that is relevant because Celtic lost them the following season. Um, so there's is, there is ways to do it and I think Celtic in a lot of the games played really well created a lot of chances once they got away and they did the first hour it was frantic and, and good fun um, a wee bit of naivety the home game against Shakhtar was, was so naive as well they were playing pretty well and got caught in the counter a couple of times that was a bit silly Leipzig were out, out, out class so that it, it is, listen, it's a tough environment isn't it it's really ruthless um, it's the problems that I've got now is they do look defensively vulnerable don't they um, if, if, if Ross County, if Ross County are causing Celtic major problems, if well, Aberdeen are causing Celtic problems, if St Johnston are creating opportunities, Kilmarnock, you know, caused Celtic, you know, strife at the back. Then, you know, what are Celtic fans thinking? They're thinking what we're all thinking: Celtic are bang in trouble unless unless things change. And then, you know, how are they going to change? Well, we know they're going to change if they bring, uh, you know, a. a, a one or two quality loans in, but where are they going to come from? That glass half fills just tipped all over the. I know. I thought I was. I was trying my best. Results. He's grabbing results in the Champions League. Oh my goodness! Honestly, it's probably best at this point to put the Champions League to bed. That is me being glass half full. 
Celtic will probably do that as soon as the draw is done because they've got major business to attend to at, well, in the transfer market on Friday. But of course, Rangers versus Celtic on Sunday at Ibrox. Michael, again, at this stage of the podcast, it's difficult to know exactly what the makeup of the Celtic team is going to be. But as it stands at the moment, how do you view the game where Celtic need to where Celtic need to be, where the, where the major improvements would need to be uh, to get a result at Ibrox on Sunday? Listen, we have seen far, far, far worse Celtic teams going to Ibrox and winning and vice versa, against better Rangers teams and vice versa. So I wouldn't be discounting Celtic at the park right away. This this is still a live game and they've got every chance of going there and, and getting a result. Where I'm worried for Celtic is set pieces um, defensively. Um, Celtic are, are not particularly a, a big or a physical team, whereas Rangers, if you look at the current lineup, their, their new signs are a big side, and they'll and they will, will look to get balls into the box, corner kicks, free kicks, set pieces, and that's where I think Celtic will get big problems, and that could be the area of concern that I think they need to sort out. I, I say alone centre half is absolutely imperative, even thing chucking right in. Um, but Celtic have got the attacking players that can no doubt cause Rangers problems. The game will be slightly more open than they've had against like your Ross Counties, Aberdeens, and Johnsons. There's not that kind of slow kind of try to break a team down stuff. Rangers need to come out and attack, which lets them leaves them a little bit vulnerable. So I think this game is 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 wide open. I would say Rangers have to start as favourites because they're a slightly more settled team. Um, but Celtic have got every chance of going there and, and, and getting a result. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be, be going there with trepidation. I think that Celtic should go there and be. Be, um, be bold and a lot about confident, but at the same time, they need to be better defensively. Chris, as you know, it's been proven several times. And well, Michael and I were talking earlier in the week. I think there was a there was a, a Celtic team went to to Ibrox four years ago. I think the back four was Hatem El Hamid, virtually his first game. Chris Julian, virtually his first game. Near Baton playing at centre half in his usual emergency late summer role. Bolly Ball and Golly at left back. Beaton ended up getting injured. Del Hamed ended up at centre-half. Morris Jens was playing. Johnny Hayes ended up in the back four. And Celtic still won. So that is proof that, as Michael says, they can pretty much go there and win, regardless of the condition of the team, because that's just how the fixture is. Where do you yeah, see if they won or lost? Well, I, th- yeah, I think we've been pretty open and honest about where Celtic are, you know, are at at this particular time. But, you know, I'm... I'm with Mick in terms of uh, Rangers' physicality and set pieces. Uh, I think it's a big problem for Celtic. And, you know, that may end up being a decisive part of the game for Rangers. But, you know, I wouldn't be getting the bunting out just yet, um, you know, about Rangers because I've I, I got to say from what I've seen, I don't think that they've, I don't think they've been great. Um, and, and I don't think things have clicked for them. Uh, yet this season, uh, you know, they lost to Kilmarnock on the opening day and uh, got past Savet with a, you know, a couple of okay performances. Well, I think PS, PS, PSV, we're going to find out how they get on against PSV. Um, I thought PSV were far superior to Rangers in Rangers' own backyard. Uh, so I, I don't think it's it's clicked just yet for Rangers. So in that respect, I don't think Celtic, you know, will go there, at, you know, fearing Rangers in any respect. And if Celtic turn up, then there's every chance that they will win the game. But I do think that, you know, the set, set plays may become a um, a problem. It's just It's just hard to predict because Celtic certainly haven't cracked it and have got a lot of work to do. 
um, this season. Um, and But Rangers haven't cracked it as well uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So we, we know how mad Scottish football is. Within the space, you know, Celtic win the first couple of games. All of a sudden, they're out of the um, out of the League Cup, and people are comparing Brendan to his, you know, what he did last time, seven from seven before. Now he's, you know, naught from one. But Celtic can't win the treble every season. That's, you know, that's the truth. Celtic fans have been spoilt with their success uh, over, you know, numerous years, winning so many trebles in the last decade. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. But there, there's always that tinge of disappointment when you. You get knocked out of, uh, you know, the the first possible trophy, uh, you know, that competition of, the, you know, of the season. But, you know, the the most important thing from a Celtic uh, supporter's point of view is to have faith within the team. And I think we're all looking at the Celtic team at this moment in time and thinking they need vast areas uh, of improvement in, in virtually every aspect defensively you know Celtic have looked all over the place the truth is in midfield McGregor hasn't really got going this season yet Turnbull over Hatate was a really contentious decision from Brendan in the first game I'm not so sure he got that right and you know the fact of the matter is is Hatate I don't know you'll know this better than me but the fact that all the rumors are here him not wanting to sign a new deal um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's good for Celtic. O'Reilly has actually been one of Celtic's better players, but I don't think that they necessarily have great legs in that middle of the park. Uh, you know, you could question the, the the dynamism, and I think Hatate certainly gives them that. Of course, he's not going to be there at the weekend. Uh, and in in those sort of forward wide areas, I don't think Celtic have, have clicked at this moment in time. So a lot of work to do, but. They can still go to uh, to Ibrox and you know and win the game because I don't think, as I said, I don't well, think Rangers have necessarily. That's it, Michael, that's exactly well, the point, Shelley, Because you go through the Celtic team, they haven't performed as the way they should this season. They haven't played till they've been nowhere near it. They're still top of the league. Callum McGregor has the ability to run a Celtic versus Rangers game. He's done it a million times. Matt O'Reilly's done it. Kyogo's a constant scorer. Whether you want to debate his position or not at the moment. He's a he's proven now a proven goal scorer in the fixture. Dyson Mader scored at Ibrox. Leila Bader's caused Rangers damage on countless occasions. There are plenty of weapons in the Celtic team that can go and do damage to Rangers. So it can be flipped over quite easily. Is uh, would you agree with that and what Chris is saying? That it's, they're well we are debating the kind of bigger picture stuff, the European the place of the Celtic's long arching strategies. But in terms of the team itself, there's plenty of good players in that team who have proved. Uh, they're worth over a long period of time, and especially in these games. When you look at you mentioned Maida, Kyogo, Abada, um, O'Reilly, they guys have performed against Rangers many, many times. They've actually got the blueprint to how to damage Rangers. I mean, if you if you play wide, you get Maida and Abada attacking the fullbacks and Kyogo hitting the front post. Rangers have, have really struggled. High pressing against, against centre halves at the back. Two the goals last season, Rangers conceded. Um, getting freaked, freaked out with that high press, so Celtic know what's required to, against this Rangers defence to get um, to get a bit of joy, um, and they've got attacking players to do it. I, I don't actually think that the early teething problems in the league are that big a concern. I think there's always going to be some sort of period adjustment to the way that, um, that Ben and Rogers wants me to play, um, and it's not quite clicked yet. It was, it was quite funny at the weekend watching uh, Arthur Johnson when he his first start of the season, obviously. And a few times he actually kind of looked a wee bit lost in terms of his position in the pitch. Because obviously he was going to that inverted role and forgetting where he was and then having to get back out again. Um, and I think you've seen a wee bit of Greg Taylor maybe struggling a wee bit getting back to the, that kind of role as well. Um, so it'll be interesting this weekend. 
would Brendan Rodgers be better going back to the, the method from last season and, and take a leaf from from Postacoglu's book and playing that way against Rangers because that's been a successful way of, of damaging Rangers? I don't know. It must be quite tempting because it's if it's if it's not broke, don't need to fix it. Um, will he do that? I don't know because obviously you've got to chuck in um, Palmer. I wouldn't imagine he'd be starting at, at, at Ibrooks. Um, but it's one to think about as well. But it'd be interesting to see how he lines it up. There you go, Chris. There's one for you. Would Brendan Rogers take the Ange Postacoglu blueprint? I think I think Celtics. Uh, you know, best bet is to to get after Rangers. You know, I really I don't I don't think Rangers front line is is fired. I, I still think that Rangers uh, really miss Ryan Kent. Uh, I think Todd Cantwell actually. He's the one where he played in a bit of a deeper role at Ross County, but he's the one where it looks like something will happen in and around uh, him, like in terms of uh, creative. But I don't think Dessas has necessarily hit his straps just yet. Danilo, um, you know, absolutely not. Be interesting to see who, you know, who Rangers play uh, in, in, in those forward areas and how they set up about it. I think the midfield battle is is going to be absolutely crucial. And, uh, you know, what worries me is the Celtic and the legs in there, because what what do we know? We know that uh, Raskin has decent legs and, you know, pretty dynamic. But I do think the Celtic's front line can certainly um, hurt Rangers. I've got to play for, I've got to say from Rangers' point of view, I think that uh, that John Suter has had a a, a strong start to the season uh, for them. And that partnership uh, with Goldson looks to, Looks to be pretty solid, but we do know from last season and and, and previous seasons, John Suter does have a rick in him. But uh, but he's looked, you know, he's looked solid um, this season. Barisic is always one that I think that Celtic can get at uh, defensively. We know he's got good delivery in the final third, and and, and similar with uh, with Tavernier. But you know, it's one of those. If it clicks for Celtic, of course they can go to Ibrox and, and win the game. But I, I think they need to be brave, have the sort of Courage and, and and conviction and and take the game to Rangers and if they if they do that then you know as I say I, I haven't been that convinced with Rangers so far um, you know I know there's been a, a bit of excitement about their their uh, performance at Ross County Ross County barely laid a, a glove on them and you know I see they were talked up a fair bit uh, after the PSV game where they had thirty percent possession the quality of their goals was very good but I didn't see the game like most. Uh, people in terms of, uh, I thought PSV were far superior, and I think Rangers have got it all to do. And you, you know, we just talked about Celtic for the best part of forty minutes, um, and uh, and their disappointing start to the season. But you know, you you can now flip it. Rangers lost the first league game to Kilmarnock. If they go out against PSV in the week and then lose to Celtic at the weekend. Uh, you know, they'll be at uh, a crisis point. You're never far from a crisis in Glasgow, are you? Whoever you are. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much. Well, well we've got a couple of things just to finish up. Chris, you've had your, you've had your say, um, and no doubt well again, uh, on the lack of visiting fans uh, that will be in the stadium on Sunday for Celtic and maybe the same for Rangers when they go to Celtic Park. Looks like that will be the case, but... You've spoken about that. One thing we haven't spoken to you about is um, being a social media wizard that you are and never off it. Um, Saeed Taksimanovic, how would that have gone down in your dressing room? Um, he's an idiot, really, isn't he? I, I, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, you know, if you if you have a problem, 
go and knock on the manager's door. You know, absolutely that. I, I can understand his frustration that, um, you know, he hasn't, he feels he hasn't played enough games, hasn't started enough games. Um, you know, Andrew Postacoglu brought him in, but he didn't start him in a lot of games and for a reason. And the bottom line is, as a, as a player, you have to earn the right. And I think there is a strong argument to say that he hasn't earned the right to start enough games. So do your talking on the pitch. Uh, but that wouldn't have gone down well in our dressing room. Never understand that why, why players... I, if I was a, a current player now, there's no way I'd be on social media. And you certainly don't go out and, you know, try and be cryptic, um, you know, about it. Just front up and go and bang on the manager's door and tell him you're unhappy. And then the manager can possibly tell you that you haven't been good enough, you've been hopeless, that's why you're not starting. Uh, and, and, and move him out if... You know, if that's the way, but that's not the way a player should be acting. Is that what you did when Tim Martin and Big John took your place? <laughs> did he? Did he? <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever come by a manager's door? Tell us. Go on, you must have. Were you an unruly player when you were left there? Um, I, I went knocking on Ray Harford's door at Blackburn when when uh, when he left me out um which i thought was you know was unjust in terms of with martin o'neill wherever he told me to play i just i just did it because i was scared of martin so uh you know and that was i was always pretty honest though in, you know in truth in that i used to be far more critical of myself than than any manager uh ever would be so you know if you're playing well and you feel you've you you, you you're in form and you've done enough then you know that's that's another argument if you if you genuinely feel that the manager is wrong but i think the three of us would struggle to uh, look at haksabanovic and remember um you know maybe two or three games on the spin whether he's ever played two or three games on the spin for celtic i very much doubt it but where he has made that much of an impact where he can honestly turn around and say well do you know what i should be in this team and that's 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 his issue as much you can't, you know, you can't fool supporters, you can't uh, fool the manager, and the manager will be saying, well, based on what I've seen, hasn't been good enough. But this isn't this isn't a Hatate situation, as far as, uh, as I could see it, where he was a regular under Ange Postacoglu. You, you know, Haksabanovic wasn't a regular under, uh, un, under Ange Postacoglu. He was more of a sub. So if two managers are thinking the same thing, maybe as a player, you have to recognise that. And, you know, both managers are are telling you you're not good enough, but it's up to you. You do your talking on the pitch. It's as simple as that. Michael, same feeling. Bags packed. There's a door off you pop. I think that's. The, I mean, there's, there's these instances. There's a little bit too many popping up at Celtic this this summer. I mean, you'd barely be sleep in for a meeting and all that kind of stuff. A few petted laps get a bit of place. If you don't like it, off you go. I mean, I mean, you're sleeping for things all that time. Come on. Oh, I'm, I'm up with the lark. <laughs> I was fall asleep during it. That's a problem. Um, no, listen, Haxer Banovic has had his chances. He's, he, it's all right looking great when you're 3 0 up and you put on for the last half an hour and you score a couple of goals and, and it finishes up 5 0. That's fantastic. Every time he starts a game, he's, he's not delivered. This summer should have been his big chance. I mean, we spoke to him out in Japan and we said, Jota's away. This is a big opportunity for you. And he practically said, Yeah, I can be the new Jota. I'm the man. With Benny Rodgers coming in, he's the ideal guy for Benny Rodgers. He, he kind of plays that kind of Stuart Armstrong kind of role. He can play number 10, he can play off the sides. He's got a bit of ability. He should be grabbing this chance with both hands, but he's not. He's flattered to deceive all the way through pre-season. 
Come off the bench a couple of times, not done an awful lot, and then spat the dummy. For him a taxi. Up the road, son. May turn out to be that he has the new job and the fact he'll be falling him out the door. Gentlemen, I, I actually think I actually think uh, that there is, you know, we have seen like moments where there is a, a player in there, but you know, you've got you've got to prove yourself. It's not good enough moments. Moments aren't good enough. That's there's players, no, no, players absolutely. history who had one good game in four. That's not good enough. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe there's that frustration, you know, which is why, you know, weak moment is gone on Instagram or or wherever he put the uh the thing out. But you know, it's up to his it's up to his missus or, you know, a member of his family to tell him not to be so stupid. My missus does that to me a lot when I'm thinking about sending out some provocative tweets at times. Don't be so stupid, Chris. You must have two phones then because it doesn't stop you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, on that note, thank you very much for your time and your opinions. Much appreciated. Thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Good luck.